are Locked On Wildcats. Your daily podcast on the Arizona Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thanks for keeping it locked on, Wildcats. I'm your host, Mike Luke. Very special guest right now. We're joined by ex uh, Choya great, ex U of A great, uh, Super Bowl legend, and I don't put that term lightly, Mr. Vance Johnson. Vance, first of all, how are you doing? How you been, my man? I'm doing fantastic. I haven't had her ex until I was uh, divorced, but uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm, I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you uh, acknowledging me, and it's, uh, it's awesome to be on your show tonight. Okay, now let's talk. Uh, let's talk a little bit about just kind of uh, the odyssey of Vance Johnson. First of all, what you, what are you doing right now? I know you're up to some really good stuff. You know, interesting enough, I'm actually out on the East Coast right now. So when I said night, I, I should have said day because you guys are still in the daytime. But I'm out here at a treatment program where I'm offering some support to clients that are in drug and alcohol treatment that are dealing with mental illness because being a former professional athlete, I dealt with that too. And this is the space that I'm in, and the promise I made God, man, that. I would share with a lot of athletes who are young to let them know that, you know, your career might be short, it might be long, but in the long run, you really want to make sure you use your abilities to go out and be able to compete in the real world. So I'm doing a lot of different things, and I'm being asked to speak all over the country, but I'm just so excited about being reengaged with my alumni there at Toya High School and also the University of Arizona because that's my real family right there. All right, now let's talk about uh, let's talk about the, kind of the Choya Odyssey, and then before we get to the U of A, was there a time when you were at Choya that you realized, you know what, I can do things that other kids out there can't quite do? What was your childhood like growing up here in Tucson and attending Choya High School? Well, I'll be honest with you, my childhood was kind of tough because I had a really uh, horrible childhood growing up with a father that was very abusive, to my mother, and my only identity, unfortunately, was in sports. I also noticed that he abused my mother less whenever I was doing good sports, so I decided to stay close to home. I was one of the best athletes in the country in long jump. I also competed for the United States of America in the Pan American Games and won a gold medal and decided to go to, uh, you know, the U of A. But growing up, up as a kid, what I noticed was, and any listeners that have kids right now that are struggling because they're not able to go back to school and be around their teammates, Tell your son, your daughter this. It's what you're doing when nobody's watching, that when you start to compete around people watching, you're going to actually be stronger because you worked out and you worked hard when nobody was watching you, not just because you were on the field to compete. So that's one thing that I did. In the background, when nobody was around, I was out there running, I was working out, I was doing push-ups, I was studying the sports that I wanted to participate in. And so I was doing what other athletes weren't doing so that when I competed against them, I was better. Didn't mean to take a lot of time with that answer. What was the, uh, oh no, take as long as you want, we're privileged to have you on right now. What was the recruitment process like for you? Because like you said, you uh, you know, you were one of the better athletes in the country. Did you always know you were going to go to Arizona, or did you look around and say, man, there's some pretty nice places around here as well? That's a very good question. In fact, I was offered opportunities to go to a number of colleges around the country. I wanted to stay close to home, and so the Arizona State guy that was going to be signing me, actually I committed to Arizona State, he came to my house the night before the signing day and spent the night at my home. Well, my head coach at Toya High School, Coach Ed Brown, showed up on that day. And he said, you are not going to Arizona State. You are staying right here at home <laughs> because I am a former Arizona Wildcat. And he told the Arizona State guy to get out of my house. 
And so I became an Arizona Wildcat, and I was so glad to be that, man. It was awesome to stay close to home to mom and dad. All right, now you get to the U of A, and you're playing running back. Obviously, you're one of the fastest guys on the team. What do you remember most about your U of A years, and what do you cherish the most about your time wearing that block A? Well, this is what I remember. I remember going into my first game actually being one of the third, fourth, or fifth team running backs. So I was a small guy, and there were a couple guys that were ahead of me. But luckily, for some reason, well, luckily for me, unluckily for them, there were a couple guys that were ineligible, and I think our first team guy at that time ended up having to go get married. So I had a chance to start my first year at the U of A. And it was really awesome because one of my first plays was a 99-yard touchdown that I had a chance to run. And hearing the crowd be so excited about what I was doing and then being home and watching other former ball players that were coming in from USC and different types of teams around the country to compete against us, I was just so excited to be home at Tucson because it's where I wanted to be. And that's the reason why I'm so glad to be back involved with my alumni. Now, you've got a great story about how you transitioned from being a running back to getting to the wide receiver position. Uh, you talked about that a little bit during the pregame show. Could you uh, remind the fans a little bit about that? Because that's one of the better stories I've heard. Oh, yeah, you guys are going to love this. So, coming up to my uh, last last uh, year at U of A, you guys know David Adams, right? Oh, yeah. Well, he took my job, so we'll start there. <laughs> right. And so then all of a sudden I get invited to the East-West Shrine game. I get invited to the scouting combine. And when I go to the combine, I actually am not familiar with the wide receiver position. And I was told, guy, you are too small. You're not strong enough. You're not going to get drafted very high, if at all, as a running back in the NFL. So why don't you go follow Jerry Rice and go talk to Randall Cunningham, who is a quarterback, and maybe he can help you out. So I met Randall for the first time, Randall Cunningham, former Philadelphia Eagle. 17-year you know, quarterback, and he said, Dance, listen, we're just kids, man. You play wide receiver. Follow Jerry Rice everywhere he goes. Run the same exact route. I'll throw you the pass, and then when it comes time to run the 40 meters, you get up next to him, and you blow his butt away, and you might get drafted high. And guess what? I did exactly what Randall told me, and I got drafted in the second pick, second round, blew Jerry Rice away in the 40 meters. So that was just a start. And then I was invited to the East-West Shrine game. And guess who my quarterback was? Who's that? Randall Cunningham. Wow. Randall Cunningham was the quarterback. So my father, the one I didn't like growing up as a kid, which, by the way, now I've forgiven for what I saw at him because he didn't have a dad in his life, he told me, you give Randall Cunningham that $2,500 check and you throw him, you tell him to throw your butt 14 passes. I said, Dad, I never even had $100. Why would I give away my $2,500? He said, you better do it. Well, kids were supposed to listen to our fathers. So I offered Randall Cunningham the $2,500. He threw me 13 passes in the East-West Shrine game. I ended up playing running back for one play, and I threw him a winning touchdown. He caught the touchdown as a quarterback running out to the left. I ran to the right with the ball and threw it out to him. And I ended up actually being runner-up MVP. He was the MVP. But I got drafted before him, second pick in the second round by the Denver Broncos, all because of Randall Cunningham. We're joined by XUVA great Vance Johnson. So you get to the NFL then, and, you know, you can be honest with us. Was was the transition to receiver a little bit easier than maybe some people would think? Because you made it look pretty easy. Well, I'm always very transparent. You know, when I landed in Denver, Colorado, I was still pretty shy. I dealt with a lot of trauma growing up as a kid. But I was really glad to at least make it to the NFL. I remember landing, and the newspapers the day, the day I landed said, Broncos, and your listeners may want to know where this word came from, Broncos advance. It was just amazing. Oh, gosh. So, 
here I am, a Denver Bronco. I see the newspaper with the ad in the capital V-A-N-C-E. And I'm, I don't make the team right away, obviously, because we have to go through the preseason. I end up actually dropping a punt on my last play against the San Francisco 49ers. I was told I was going to get cut. That introduced me to, unfortunately, starting to drink a little bit of alcohol and start taking a lot of medication or injuries. That's a whole other show I'd love to come on with you with. But anyway, I was the fastest on the team, and John Elway was the quarterback, and so I did a lot of things, like I said, when people weren't watching by going and practicing with him so I could learn how to catch and run routes. And I, I just became one of the best receivers on the NFL uh, for the Denver Broncos right away. And so it was a lot of fun, and obviously, you know, I was 10 years, and three Super Bowls, so it was an amazing opportunity for me to be a pro football player. Now you made your you made a real big mark in the Super Bowl by catching for over 150 yards. What was it like? What was your Super Bowl experience like there? And again, was that something where it was a little bit easier than maybe people had thought? Well, again, I got to be real transparent. So my first Super Bowl, I literally was standing on the sideline, and all of a sudden, here I am, you know, 23 years old, and a thought comes to my mind during the pregame before they even started the game and I all of a sudden was standing on the sideline remembering when I was a little kid wanting to go to the Super Bowl one day so I had memories from my childhood eight or nine years old hoping and dreaming and asking God to let me be a pro football player and it finally came to pass and then when I was there again I thought I was achieving an identity so I ran routes I caught the pass from John Elway I wasn't afraid to get hurt to the point where I didn't care if I even got killed on a football field because it was about the same for me and I think I had 154 yards on that one, five catches in that one uh, game. We ended up losing that Super Bowl. But I really felt like I had finally made it to where I wanted to be during my career. And that was just one Super Bowl. So you then, uh, you've made a, a career then uh, traversing, you know, helping, uh, helping people out. Want to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of how you got to that point and about what you're doing right now? Absolutely. So during my career, for your listeners, my only identity was when I was on the football field. And I love being out there because it was about 85,000 fans cheering for me. It was about the millions that were watching me on television. But off the field, I lived in a dark life. I was married several times. I had several children. I was addicted to alcohol, lots of painkillers and different types of medications. But for some reason, those drugs made me play braver on the football field. I was sober enough to at least get through the rest of the game. By halftime, I'd be out there making a lot of big plays. And, again, off the field, though, I really struggled because my identity only being on the field, not growing up in an atmosphere where I had a good father that was taking care of a mom. I didn't know how to be a husband or a father, so I really struggled. And after 10 years in the NFL, and even though I had a lot of fame and a lot of success, I also had a lot of problems with driving while drunk, speeding down the highway, getting pulled over by cops, getting in car accidents. And eventually, by the end of my career, I didn't get cut. I just decided to walk away from the game. And unfortunately, when I walked away from the game, I didn't even care about life anymore. So for you listeners listening, and you may know someone that even struggled with this, I had a lot of suicidal thoughts. I actually attempted to try to kill myself a couple, two or three different times during and even after my career. And eventually I ended up going to a hospital after I used myself into a coma and almost died. And after I got helped out by one of my ex-wives and also a former NFL ball player by the name of Randy Grimes, I went to get help when I went to treatment and then all of a sudden I start realizing that I need to lean on my faith because I wasn't strong enough as a person and so for all you guys who are believers my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ just really showed me and freed me from the bondage of all the hell that I had to grow up in and around and even during my career 
So I'm a very transparent person, and that's the reason why the country is really starting to look for people like myself who are willing to be transparent, because that's transformation, hopefully, for our country. Now, was there a point when you realized that, man, you know, I've, I've got to do something here, and you talked about how your ex-wife helped you out here, but was there, was there a moment, kind of, that awakening when you're like, man, i got to do something? Yeah, it was after, honestly, you know, I've been recently on the show A&E Intervention because I'm doing interventions now, but God did an intervention on me, and it wasn't until after I had struggled and used myself into a coma and almost died. I was in a 28-day coma, guys. I literally, they didn't even call it OD back then, but they pulled the plug on me after day 24 because my body was shutting down. My sister took a deathbed picture of me, and when I woke up, I actually went back to trying to be like I was when I was young, working out hard, but... Just a short time later, I ended up relapsing. I was screaming and crying in the canyon one day when I was driving, not wanting people to know that this famous football player was literally going to kill himself, like you hear about almost weekly with ball players, even right now around this country. And finally, my seventh ex-wife reached out to the NFL. I was a million dollars in debt. A former Tampa Bay Buccaneer reached out to me to ask me if I needed to help, and I lied to him for about three months. But I kept asking the Lord to help me, man, and eventually God told me, you need to go get away from you. And that's when I flew out to Florida, and I stayed for 28 days. Think about that, 28 days in a coma, 28 right. days in treatment. And the, the promise I made for the rest of my life, and just like I started out when we, you started interviewing me, is what you're doing behind the scenes that matters when people are watching. So behind the scenes, I practice my recovery so that when I'm out in the public, it's real. And I can compete with the best, and that's the reason why my new playing field for the rest of my life is reaching our country to let them know that that struggle you're dealing with with mental illness and or addiction, there's a way out of it. Let me help you. Now, just circling back then to coming back to the U of A, what were your emotions just kind of coming back to the place that you starred, the city that loves you? What was it like? And can we expect to see Vance here from time to time? Well, if I don't start crying right now, man, because of what you just now said, I, man. When, Take your time, I my man. I had not stood on that field since I played ball. And ever since I was a young kid, I wanted to play pro I wanted to play pro football, but I wanted to go to college and play football. And when I stood on the field just a few days ago, all I did was I thought about all the memories that I had during my career, how much fun I had, how much I loved my coaches that were there, my fellow teammates who actually I hadn't seen in 20, 30 plus years, and I had a chance to reunite with them and stand on that football field and watch these young men I said, Arizona, thank you for welcoming me back. I want to be a part of this alumni program so that I can engage with the former ball players and the current ball players. And by God's grace, hopefully, guys, if you can guys get me on the ring of honor, I would love to just come share the hope and tell everybody we're going to make Arizona one of the best colleges, one of the best football teams in this country. Now, Vance, Joe. So, what are, what are your next? Uh, what's your what are your next? What's your next month look like before we let you go? Mainly because I know people are listening right now and they're thinking to themselves, "Wow, I'd like to be able to kind of follow, or I'd like to be able to see what Vance Johnson's up to." How can they maybe reach out? How can they follow and just kind of follow your progress and your inspiration? Well, there are a couple different ways. Number one, I'm I'm getting asked, you know, almost on a daily basis for speaking engagements around the country, just to share my testimony and my hope. I said I was on the show A&E. I'm actually also now ESPN. The NFL just hired me to do uh, uniform inspections at the Las Vegas Raiders uh, uniform, uh, the new football field there in Las Vegas where we have the Vance Johnson Recovery Center. And I'm pretty um, inspiring. So if people want to reach out to me on my VanceInspires.org page on Google, just Google me, VanceInspires.org. 
And you can actually reach out to me personally via email, and I'll respond to it. And also, I'm pretty transparent on my Facebook, too. So I want to continue to grow this thing so I can be that resource that people can reach out to. I'm, just, I'm not just some name on the building. I'm the person that wants to offer hope and help. And so people can reach out to me personally, and I'll be sure to reach back out to them. He's Vance Johnson. And, Vance, I can't thank you again for uh, giving us some of your time. And we'd love to talk to you again here in the near future. This was amazing. Hey, guys, for you guys, I'm always available. So you just make sure you reach out and let me know when. And I would love to talk to our fans and our people because I love Tucson, Arizona.